0: Sunday back in um, February-March. Um, if you've got your notice sheets um, on the back page at the bottom right, the last notice, you'll see um, that together we managed to raise our giving by an amazing 31500 towards our 37000 goal. So that's 85% of our target. And we've filled up the rest for this year with um, with one-off donations that people gave as well. So um, uh, about 11 and a half thousand, um, all of that, including tax relief. So, thank you so much. Uh, what I said this morning was: Why don't you turn to the person next to you and give them a round of applause? Okay, let's give them a round of applause. And now shake them by the hand and say thank you so much for enabling this to be possible. Thank you so much for enabling our vision to take a step forwards. Excellent, well done. See, I wasn't able to do that for all of you, but now you've done it for each other. So thank you on my behalf. Uh, Obviously, there'll be plenty more opportunities in the coming year and beyond uh, to go on pushing forwards with our vision. Um, There there will no doubt be some opportunities to think about our building and later on to think about what happens next. But basically, we've got there for this year. So thank you so much uh, for making that possible. Fantastic. Okay, uh, the next thing is a very brief notice just to say tomorrow night is our APCM. That's our annual parochial church meeting, our AGM as it were. Um, if you were to open this notice sheet into the middle, the top right, you'd see a big notice about that in the grey box. Um, so it's tomorrow night at 8 o'clock uh, here in church and it's your opportunity as a congregation to hold the leadership of the church to account for how they spent the money you raised last year. Uh, So we'll be presenting our accounts from last year and uh, talking through a lot of the things that we've done. There'll be reports there about what went on last year. Lots and lots of stuff that God has been doing through us. Um, And right at the bottom of the grey box is this paragraph, which I'm going to read out to you. We will need a new church warden and several new members of the PCC. So please pray about whether God is calling you to serve St. Jude's in this way. If that was you, if you were praying that prayer, then this is your last opportunity to do something about it. Don't be like me, who, when I uh, tried to stand for some, uh, some diocesan or something or other, I uh, looked at, uh, thought to myself, oh, I need to get, get this form in by tonight. And I looked at the form and it said, you need to get it in by an hour and a half ago. Okay so that's useless. I was unable to stand. If you're interested in standing for either of those positions, you've got to get your form in today. Today's your opportunity to find somebody else who's on the electoral roll on the Greed Natus board there who will sign the form for you to propose you and second you, and then you can hand it in. So if you're thinking about that at all, now's your chance. Thirdly, uh, there's a marriage course coming up. Um, so Jeanette and Steve are leading that in uh, a couple of weeks' time, I think, 4th of May. So uh, if you're sensing that uh, it would be good to give your, um, your marriage a bit of a, a wash and a scrub or a, an MOT, as the brochure says, uh, get those spark plugs all kind of uh, clean and working well, then the marriage course is for you. Be a lovely opportunity to spend time together, to talk together, um, to uh, bring out into the open some uh, some things that maybe have been uh, hidden away and uh, and need uh, dealing with and moving forwards through. Great opportunity to spend time together and to uh, learn some new skills and remember old ones, and uh, and just enjoy the course together. So, if uh, you're interested in that, please do speak to. Um, to uh, Jeanette after the service. And my last notice is to say that we have been building up for two weeks to an amazing moment, to two years, to an amazing moment that's happening next week, three o'clock, next Sunday afternoon. But you would be forgiven if you have forgotten what it was that we have been building up all those, these last two years towards. Well, about two years ago, um, we as a congregation and as a PCC spend a lot of time thinking and praying and discussing about how we should get closer to St. Simon's, the next parish along from us. And we talked a lot and prayed a lot about whether we should become one parish with them um, and, and, and do, you know, become one, unite together. In the end, the two PCCs decided that the best way forward was to remain as two separate parishes with two separate vicars, but work together as a mission partnership. And so um, discussions were put in, carried on and plans were put into operation, which meant that finally, next week, uh, St. Simons will install their new vicar, and in the same moment that he's installed, the bishop will co-licence the clergy of this parish and lay readers, lay reader currently, and to work within that parish, and co-license um, Susie, the Reverend Susie Karan James, their new vicar, to work in cooperation in this parish. So that will be the kind of milestone starting point of our uh, mission partnership, um, in, moving into the next stage with uh, St Simon's with their new vicar. So what I'd really love to encourage you to do is to take the time, three o'clock next Sunday, to come along and be with us, to come and celebrate, to come and pray, to come and bless Susie and his family as they arrive, and to be praying and looking forwards to this new stage in our um, in our partnership in the gospel together. Uh, Susie and, Jay- uh, and Ruth, uh, James have a wonderful testimony of God's power at work in their lives and they're really looking forward to coming to be at uh, St. Simon's uh, working for the gospel there and to be working alongside St. Jude's. In fact one of the reasons that they applied for St. Simon's was because they had taken a number of holidays to South Sea and come and visited St. Jude's and so St. Jude's experience was part of their calling to to St. Simon's. So that's very exciting for us. So I hope that if you're at all pos- able to do so, you will join us next Sunday afternoon as that uh, kind of next uh, milestone in our partnership in the gospel together. Three o'clock next Sunday. There will be a 6.30 service here but next week, but three o'clock at St. Simon's, there will be the licensing service. Good question. Thank you. Sorry.
1: Thanks, Mike. Um, so, in a minute, we're going to have another block of worship. But before we do, I'd like you to go and talk to someone and tell them one area of your relationship with God where you want to go deeper. One area of your relationship with God where you want to go deeper. Go. <laughs> and...
2: Fall on us. For we are yours. More and more of you, Lord. Give us tonight every single person here, our one-minute encounter with you, Lord. Amen. Our answers to prayers is give thanks to the Lord, his love endures forever. Dear Papa God, help us to establish your word in our lives. We thank you for the wisdom to act on your word always and to follow the guidance and prompting of the Holy Spirit. Through your word, we have increased wisdom and spiritual understanding knowing and walking in your perfect will at all times papa god your word gives us strength and minister courage to our spirit we are steadfast vibrant and fervent in spirit tonight and always irrespective of the tasks trials and persecution that we that may come our ways, our faith has grown strong and active and prevails over circumstances. In Jesus' name. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. Dear Papa God, we thank you that your peace Progress and prosperity will reign in the nations of the world and that you will grant the ministers of the gospel the courage to preach and minister your word boldly. We pray that the power and influence of all their messages will kindle your love in the hearts of all mankind. Thank you for the transformation of many lives through the gospel. In Jesus' mighty name. Papa God, we bring before you our mission partners, the Bible Society. One year after the Nepal earthquake and Nepal Bible Society continues to help by providing aid and scripture. We pray that the Bible can be made available at a price the Nepalese people can afford from a place they can access in a format they they appreciate and the language they understand so that they believe in the true living God. Give thanks to the Lord, his love endures forever. We pray for the work in Bangladesh. We thank you that 25 new literacy groups have been established and ask that many will listen to the Bible stories for the first time. Lord, enable them to attend sessions regularly and learn to read and write whilst engaging with the Bible through scripture based literary, literary, literacy resources. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. Dear Papa God, we lift before you the Young People's Ghana Project involving the trip to the Diocese of Ho in eastern Ghana. We pray that the young people who go from St. Jude's and other churches from across the Portsmouth Deanery will be the ones you required and whom you will strengthen spiritually for the challenges ahead. We ask that all the funds will be raised so that a full team can go. Lord, we pray for your Holy Spirit to grant wisdom and harmony in all the planning and preparations that is taking place here in Portsmouth and in Hull. We seek protection as well as wisdom for, the, for Bishop Matthias and his team in Hull. We give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. Dear Papa God, we thank you for the life of our Queen Elizabeth II and the example of service which she has set to both the nation and the royal family itself. Continue to bless her with good health and long life so that we may be well led. We pray that all candidates in the local elections and for police commissioners may follow her example and dedicated public service. May all sides of the referendum on Europe Union membership remember that policy disagreements can be conducted without personal attacks and suspicions. We give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. Dear Papa God, we thank you for you are our refuge and a rock for your people. We pray for all victims, those suffering from conflict and war. May their wounds heal and successful peacemaking provide relief from violent and disrupted family and work. For those suffering from disasters such as earthquakes, we pray that help will reach them quickly and reconstruction be properly funded and promptly completed. For victims of domestic violence or sexual abuse, we ask that they will be protected, see justice done, and be healed and able to forgive So that they can have a good life. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Dear Papa God, we give thanks to St. Jude's primary school and its work of education, educating children in life and faith as well as their studies. We pray for wisdom stamina and discernment for all those involved in the interviewing on Monday and Tuesday, the candidate for the school's next head teacher. We ask that the woman or man chosen will be your choice for this important post. We pray that the school will continue to flourish in this summertime under the leadership of Rachel Osborne, the acting head. We also bring before you the parents of peoples at the school and pray for the right people to come to the parenting course starting in the school on the 9th of May and led by our Rachel Duff and Sarah Marie Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. Dear Papa God, as St. Paul Peter says, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By His wounds we have been healed. So we use our faith to ask for healing on all who are sick. Warren Vaughan, Arnold Selby, David Gorman, Jenny Howard, Jeanette Hayward, Irene Shergold, Theo Roberts. And Georgina Fry, known as G, those injured in the Ecuador and Japanese earthquakes, and all those known to us personally. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. Dear Papa God, comforter of those who mourn. We pray that you will be close to the bereaved families and friends of Margaret Turner, Joan Fenn, Winifred Tilby, and all those killed in the recent earthquakes and conflicts. By the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we occupy our promised land. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we conclude with the Lord's prayer? Please. Our Father who in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.
1: Thanks, Victoria. In a minute, Jit's going to come and preach to us. But before he does, um, we're going to have the reading done by Charlie. So today we're reading from Acts chapter 10, um, verses 39 to 48. Um, If you haven't already picked up a Bible, I encourage you to do so because although it's on the screen behind me, um, there's nothing like actually holding God's word in your hands and reading it with me. So, Acts chapter 10, verse 39. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptised with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
3: Well, Charlie, thank you very much for that reading. I have two Bibles up here. That doesn't mean twice as long a sermon. let Let's put one down. Well, for those of you that have been with us over the past few weeks, you'll know that we've been in a series looking at going deeper with God, and uh, I kicked this off a couple of weeks ago, and then Mike last week spoke on going deeper in God's Word, and this is really for this congregation as a special season for us to orientate ourselves towards um, a new direction, but also an old direction that we've always been orientated towards. And we're doing this in anticipation of a relaunch at Pentecost, uh, which is in three Sundays time. And tonight, I'm speaking on going deeper in and with God's Spirit, deeper in the Spirit. And the two go together, God's Word and God's Spirit, what Mike was speaking about last week and what I'm going to be speaking about this week. They always go together, in fact. The early church father Irenaeus said God does nothing except through his word and his spirit. They're his two hands, like his right and left hands, his word and his spirit. You might have heard the old adage that says that a church that emphasises the word but neglects the spirit will dry up. The church that emphasises the spirit but neglects the word will blow up. But the church that emphasises the word and the spirit will grow up, will grow up, will grow up into that fullness of the statue of Christ that we're promised. And so we're looking at that, how we can be that second part, emphasising the work of the spirit, going deeper into it. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray by the power of your spirit that we might hear from you, Lord Jesus. I pray that you'd take my words and use whatever they might be, <laughs> that that which is of you might find its rightful place in our hearts, that which isn't of you will be blown far away by the wind, and that, Lord, by your Spirit, you would change our lives here in this place. We give you full permission for your work this evening. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm gonna start with a moment of personal confession because um, I moved to Portsmouth, South Sea, in November, a few months ago. And I've been gradually getting to know the place. And I've got a few favorite places already. Um, and I, I was thinking about this, one of my favorite places in Portsmouth when I was asked by a friend recently. And I have to admit, most of them are museums, which is quite sad. <laughs> But there's some amazing museums about in Portsmouth that I've been discovering, and my favourite, actually, so far, is the D-Day Museum. Who has been to the D-Day Museum? I think there's something about two or three rather large tanks outside on the pavement that appeals to the, the inner child in me, and I have to admit that I've spent a lot of time just walking past <laughs> and staring at the tanks and actually going in and exploring, and they've got an amazing garage of uh, World War II vehicles that were used on D-Day. And I really recommend it if you haven't been already. It's an amazing place. And of course, Portsmouth has a long history to do with D-Day. It it housed and helped facilitate the Canadian troops that landed on the beach. It was part of the the war effort and critical during World War II. And I've done a lot of reading in World War II history because it fascinates me, actually. And so the D-Day Museum is quite a thing for me. And most historians have all kinds of arguments as to why it happened, what were the root causes? But one key cause that I've found in my reading is that it was very simply due to a dejected nation feeling despised, feeling enmity with other nations that really seemed to be doing much better than them. That after the First World War, Germany had been clobbered, had been subjugated, and one tyrannical leader, someone called Adolf Hitler, was able to turn that feeling of enmity around and into war. And sadly, it led to millions of deaths over a five-year period, just because of that feeling of clash between those who felt their right to struggle for their own desires and needs against those who had been superior over them. And it's a bit of a sobering thing, but I wanted to start with that because in our passage this evening, there is a clash, or a potential clash, of two very similar groups, two groups that were of great enmity with each other. There was the Apostle Peter and his fellow Jews who had uh, been invited to the house of a Roman centurion, sent by God to preach to Gentiles who... Actually, Peter would have been raised, like many in Nazi Germany, to feel hatred for. These were the Romans that subjugated them, that demanded tribute from them, that ruled over their land for decades, and God's telling him to go and preach to one of their centurions the gospel message. And conversely, the centurion would have thought, Who is this Gentile? This Jew, sorry, who is this Jew who claims to follow the one true God who sticks their thumb up at our gods, the pantheon? And I've been relegated to this backwater of the empire with these guys and having to listen to them and having to help settle their squabbles. There would have been potentially great enmity here in this passage between these two groups. But when these two groups come together, there isn't a breakout of conflict Instead, there's a breakout of praise. There's a breakout of praise. Because God's Spirit falls upon them, overriding any hatred, overriding any enmity that could be present. And they're deeply submerged, every single one of the Gentiles in that house, in the presence and the power of God's Spirit. God overrides and does an amazing thing, taking them straight into the depths of, of life in the Spirit. And from this uh, little passage, just want to draw out two very simple things for us this evening as to what that looks like for us, what God did there, he can do in our lives as well. And the first thing is this, that the Spirit-filled life, the life that is deep in the ways of the Spirit, is for all Christians The context of the passage is that Peter had been softened by God slowly but surely through divine appointments and visions. So that by the time he gets to Cornelius' house, he's ready to accept them and to preach the gospel to them. And so he starts preaching about Jesus. He starts talking about the cross and the resurrection. And he starts to say that there is a need for forgiveness and salvation. And he's about to make his gospel appeal. He's about to say, turn and be saved, every single one of you. But then he's stopped dead in his tracks. It says, verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. And they broke out in praise and in worship and in language of tongues. And he couldn't go on. He could not go on. He'd been stopped dead in his tracks by God doing something amazing. He didn't have to offer an altar call. God's spirit came there and then. And the question is, what is going on? This is quite unusual. Normally God doesn't stop a preacher in his tracks. I'm quite thankful for that actually. (laughs) Sometimes he does, sometimes he does. I think what was going on here was that these Gentiles were primed to hear from God. They'd known that Peter was the man sent by God. And as they were listening to the words of the gospel, they began to believe, even without being asked to believe, this Jesus who died for them, this offer of forgiveness and salvation. And they started to say yes in their hearts, there and then, without being asked to. And as soon as they said yes to the Lord, the Lord says yes to them in power. He says, you've just said yes to me. I'm coming by the power of my spirit. I'm going to have to stop Peter and his words and saying yes to you. This is me. I'm showing up in your lives. I'm letting you experience me to the fullest extent. I'm saying that you are mine and I am yours, here and now. He's confirming their salvation by the power of the spirit. And this was needed because they were the first Gentile converts This had never been seen before. They probably worried about, can God save even me? (laughs) Even me. We might be God-fearers who are on the edge of Israelite religion, but would God do this for me, forgive my sins through a Jewish Messiah? God says, yes, it's for you as well. And let me show you, I'm going to encounter you and show you that I'm here and you are saved. That your salvation and life in the Spirit... The coming of the Spirit go together, hand in hand. I just want to draw that out as a point for us this evening, that it's a fundamental truth for all of us, that God fills with his Spirit those who are saved. The two go together. In Ephesians 1.13, Paul says to his readers, Having believed in Jesus, you were marked in and with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Similarly, in Acts 2, Peter's appeal at Pentecost, he says at the end, repent and believe every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They're meant to go together, never to be separated. Belief in Christ, being saved, and the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. They go hand in hand. A helpful image that I've used before to try and understand this is to think of the cross and salvation and Jesus' call to us to believe and to repent and be saved as like a doorway, a large doorway that opens up into a room. And in that room, there are all kinds of things to explore, all kinds of things to delight in, all things, kind of things to be amazed by. The things of God. And when we're saved, we step through the doorway and into that room. But there is a call because you are there at that door and you can see how much there is ahead of you. And you're offered life in the Spirit that allows you to go deeper and deeper into that room. You've crossed through into it, you're there, you've been saved and the Spirit is present in your life, but there's an open invitation. Do you want to come in? Do you want to come in and explore and find out more? Some people, of course, are fairly happy just to have stepped through the doorway and perhaps know the work and the ministry of the Spirit and his leading to a certain extent. And looking at the New Testament and what the Spirit does in the New Testament, they see, oh, there's more to this room. There's lots more, but are happy just to look and gaze. For others, maybe they've taken a few more steps in and started to notice various things that are there in the room, things that the Spirit does and ways that he leads and power that he's able to outwork. And yet there's a call to go further into the room, to the next step, and then the next step, until you're there. Of course, the doorway's always there. The cross casts a long shadow. We never wander far from it. But we're invited through that doorway into that room. The fullness of life in the Spirit. And for these Gentiles, they were pushed straight into that room on purpose by God. Because he needed to make a point that even Gentiles could be saved. But for us, he woos us and invites us deeper and deeper into it. There's a very famous account of a 18th century evangelist uh, preacher called D.L. Moody who discovered what this looked like personally when he was a minister. He was a minister in Chicago, and uh, he'd had a very successful ministry. He had built up a church, and he was seeing people being saved every so often. And he thought he was doing okay. He thought he was doing okay as a minister. But he started to notice every single Sunday morning, there were two elderly grandmothers on the second row in who kept on praying for him during the service. And he thought, oh, bless them. I <laughs> don't know what they're praying, but bless them. But they kept on doing it. And, I thought, and he thought, well, I've got to ask them, what are they praying for? So at the end of one of the services, he went to them and asked them, what are you praying for? I think you're praying for me. You seem to be mentioning my name in your prayers. But what are you praying for? And they said the following, we're praying for you that you would get it, that you would be filled with the Spirit. And of course, Moody was taken aback by this thought, what are they talking about? I know my Bible. I know that I'm saved. I know that the Spirit is present in my life because he goes along with salvation. And yet something of God just started to churn away inside of him. And he he found himself not able to escape what these two elderly grandmothers, bless the grandmothers in the congregation, praying grandmothers are an amazing thing. He couldn't escape what they challenged him on and what they were praying. And so he started to ask God for this. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. He spent weeks just crying out and crying out and crying out. And then he said it happened. I'm going to read from his autobiography. He says this. I was crying all the time that God would fill me with his spirit. Well, one day in the city of New York, oh, what a day. I cannot describe it. I seldom refer to it. It is almost too sacred an experience to name. I can only say that God revealed himself to me. And I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. I went preaching again. The sermons were not different. I did not present any new truths, yet hundreds were converted. I would not go back to a place before that blessed experience if you should give me the whole world." History accounts that he went on to see over a million people saved in America before internet and before the TV and mass rallies. All in the power of the Spirit, he stepped into the room and he saw what God could do when he lived in that place. Well, that was the first thing I wanted to bring out. The Spirit-filled life is for all Christians. The second is that the Spirit-filled life is for all types of Christians. And going back to the passage, I just want to draw out one particular verse. We read in verse 45 of Peter's Jewish companions and their reaction to this amazing Gentile Pentecost they just witnessed. It says, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. They were astonished this had happened. Actually, the word in the Greek is even stronger. They were amazed or they were flabbergasted because they would have thought that they knew what God was like and what he did. And pouring out his spirit on Gentiles wasn't one of those things. But this is part of the journey that they were on. God had been leading them to realize that he wanted to do this for everyone. They would have known from the Old Testament that God poured out his spirit on certain people at certain times for certain functions, like kingly rulership or prophecy. And then they themselves had experienced on the day of Pentecost as Jewish believers that he poured his spirit out upon all who were of his old covenant people, Who'd put their trust in Christ? They thought, wow, this is amazing. The circle got bigger. It's not just for a few, it's for all who are of the Jewish race. But now the circle gets even bigger. It's not just for all of the Jewish race, it's for every single race, every single person that would put their trust in Christ. And if they had had eyes to see and ears to hear, they would have known that this was God's agenda. That Peter in the Pentecost sermon quotes from Joel 2 says that he would pour out his spirit on all flesh, young and old, Jew and Gentile, slave and free, male and female. Everyone would get this experience, everyone would be invited deep into that room. And Peter and his companions are on that journey, realizing whoever they are, whatever type of person that they are sent to minister to, God wants to invite them into that fullness of life with him. And Peter still gets it wrong later on, we read in Galatians, and he has to be corrected. But this was what God was leading the whole church to. This was what God was doing, a new thing, where anyone could have this, anyone at all. Anyone who put their trust in Christ. And I want to suggest very practically that just as... In the passage, God breaks through to a new group of people, filling them with his spirit. I want to end by suggesting a number of groups here in this congregation, groups of people that God might be willing, wanting to just break through and fill with his spirit. And there are four that I want to highlight. The first group are those that aren't convinced. There may be some here who aren't convinced by the Christian truth claims about God and what he offers. You've been hearing about the gospel, this word that you don't probably quite understand. But you've been hearing about this amazing Jesus and what he can do. and Something just drawing you about him. But you're not convinced. And trust me, I've been there. I remember coming to church and not being convinced by what was being said. But I want to say to you tonight, God wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. He wants you to experience this. You can stand from a distance and judge from a distance. Or you can say, God, I want to find out from the inside out. You can look at an apple and wonder if it's good to eat for a long time. The proof is not in the tasting. It's in the biting into it. And if that is you... God invites you this evening to step into that room, to say yes to Jesus, to find out what this life looks like. There's no use just staying outside and wondering. You can do that for eternity. He invites you in. Second group I want to highlight is uh, the group that I, I label not fussed or don't really care. There are some here who may agree about all that I've said, all that the Bible says on this about living life filled with the Spirit, going deeper and deeper into His work and presence. But they're not really fussed about it. They say, that's great, great for others of a certain type, but that's not really me. It's not my personality. It's not my Myers-Briggs type or my Enneagram or whatever you want to use. It's not really me. Well, I want to say, say that that's not true. That's not true. I want to give you two reasons why. Firstly, This gift of the Spirit, which is free for us to receive, cost Jesus a lot. It actually cost him his life. For God to pour out his Spirit into vessels sanctified by the blood of his Son, took the blood of his Son. It took his work on the cross to make you clean, so he could come and fill your life with his presence. And if you say, I don't want that kind of stuff, I'm happy as I am. I don't want to experience it in its fullness what well, you're saying, well, yes, Jesus paid that price, but I don't want to honor it as much as possible. Jesus paid everything that he had to purchase for us this type of life, filled with the Spirit, deeply walking with God. It's what was on his heart's intent when he died on the cross for you. And secondly, <laughs> I honestly believe that life filled with the Spirit is something that each and every one of us needs. If we're going to make it, if we're going to seek to follow Jesus. The evangelist Billy Graham once said this, traveling around the world, everywhere I go, I find that God's people lack something. Their Christian experience is not all that they expected, and they often have recurring defeat in their lives. Christians are hungry today for spiritual fulfillment. The most desperate need for the nations today is that men and women who profess Jesus be filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, if you think you're perfect already, then there's no need to be filled with the Spirit. But if, like me, you know that you're not perfect, we've got every need for God's presence and power. Greater and greater levels in our lives. That was the second group. A third group: those who are no longer hungry. You may have had all this in your upbringing. You may know all about this kind of stuff and heard it spoken about and been to various conferences about being filled with the Spirit and walking with the Spirit and going deeper with the Spirit. You may have had it up to here with it, actually. And actually, you're just not very hungry about it anymore. You've heard it all. I just want to warn you that that's a very dangerous place to be. Because satisfaction always eventually leads to neglect. And neglect nearly always leads to falling away. It's a very dangerous place to be. The uh, Pentecostal evangelist Smith Wigglesworth once said, the only thing that I am satisfied by is the fact that I am dissatisfied. It's the only safe place to be. And it might be that you, you, like me, quite often need to pray, God, I'm not hungry for more of you, but please make me hungry. Or make me hungry to be hungry for more of you. Or make me hungry to be hungry to be hungry for more of you. Wherever you need to start, so that you can start to desire these things for yourself. And one last group. And this is a group that simply says that I'm not sure. I'm not sure that God would want to do this in my life for me personally. You can point to others and say, yeah, they may be. Him, yes, her, yes, but not me. I know what I'm like. I'm not as holy as other people. I'm not as important as other people. Why would God want to do this in my life? Take me into the deeps with him. And I want to say to you, if that's you, very gently, that God does want to do this in your life. Fundamentally, this coming of the Spirit and this deepening walk with him is a love gift from the Lord Jesus. It's got nothing to do with if you've earned it. it got nothing to do with your merit. It's an expression of the love of the Father that he wants to come and set at residence in your life, to be present, to adopt you, to make himself known in your heart. It's a love gift. And he wants to do it because he loves you. It's not up to you proving yourself, being good enough for it. It's up to him and his affections and his desires, which he's full of towards you. We started with World War Two and um, going to end with it because soldiers on the front line, when they receive letters from loved ones, used to get letters with various acronyms on the envelope. And I've mentioned this before, but one of the key acronyms that always brought a smile to their face was the acronym SWALK, S-W-A-L-K, L-K which simply meant sealed with a loving kiss. And this is what God does by his spirit. It's his seal of a loving kiss. His seal of your salvation, that you're saved. His seal of adoption, that you're his. His seal that says that nothing is taking you away from him. And he wants to make that known to you. I invite you to stand. I'm going to ask the band to come up. I'm going to respond to a few of these things. And I'm going to ask Charlie and the band to play a, a moment of response for us to think through these things. Maybe we could uh, sing that song that we sung earlier, Spirit Fall. Would that be okay? It seems to tie in with what we're saying here. And I want us to come and just offer <laughs> who we are and as we are to the Lord don't know where you've come from this week and what you've been experiencing, but this is a time and space where we can dig into these things and ask God, what does he want to do for us personally? I invite you to stand, We're going to sing, and then I'm going to lead us in some prayers. I'm spend some time in prayer. Lord, we seek you in this place. Lord, thank you for the promise that's held out in your word, the promise of the Spirit. And we eagerly desire these things. And where we don't, help us to eagerly desire them. And just have a sense that God's uh, especially laying this on a number of people uh, right now. And if that's you, just we're going to pray for you. Can I ask you to come forward and we're just going to lay our hands and ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit. This is for all. Invite you forward, and uh, we're going to pray and ask God to do this afresh. and when you ask people to come forward they go to the back or <laughs> well, if you don't feel that this is something you want to respond to in the midst of people this is also something that you can respond to just in your heart Lord we seek you in this place Lord we love you This is a humbling moment. It takes humility to say to God, God, I know that I need these things and I want them. Yeah. And I just have a, a sense that in the midst of this, um, I'm going to ask you to do something slightly uncomfortable. I'm going to ask you to humble yourself before the Lord. Uh, if you feel comfortable, just to kneel before him and to submit and to say, Lord, you are Lord. So, see. Lord, we humble ourselves. Lord, we're aware that we often do things in our own power and strength and wisdom. But you invite us to this life of the Holy Spirit walk deeply with you, so we humble ourselves, we bow the knee to Jesus. And I ask, Lord, that as we humble ourselves, you would come and fill us by your Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit of God, give us that promise of the New Testament that you will pour out your Spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters, male and female, Lord, you promise these things. Come, Lord Jesus. Just a sense of the Spirit's work beginning here in this room, and maybe that you're just doing something very simple in your heart, just beginning to open that doorway wide and wider for you to walk through. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And I believe that for many here, God is going to lead you you don't have to worry about how to enter this stuff God is going to teach you how to do these things he's going to lead you deeper now that we've bowed the knee you're going to ask us to stand and we're now going to expect oh Lord as we've submitted and as we've uh, given ourselves and emptied of ourselves of who we are Lord as we've done that I pray now that you'd fill us with who you are Lord if there are any barriers that stop that to unwork them to take them away Fill us afresh, we pray. Come, Lord Jesus. I can invite you, if you're able to, um, and you feel so led, uh, if you want to come forward and pray for some of the folk gathered at the front, just lay a hand and just pray for God's spirit to come. That would be a wonderful thing. Or if you just want to seek this personally by yourself, where you are, that's a good place to be. It's between you and the Lord. He knows, he hears. The band is just going to continue playing in the background, playing in the background. joining with our end song but we're just going to have a rolling end really just a time to respond to God personally those who are just in that place seeking continue seeking you. inspired by that example of mood we cry out to you oh that you would fill us that we would have the fullness of what you've purchased for us at the cross help us Lord take us deeper we pray Whatever it takes, may we not be satisfied, we pray. And just a word of blessing as we close our time together. Now to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins and made us the kingdom priest to his God and Father, to him be the glory both now and forever and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit be upon you, And remain upon you now and always. Amen. Amen. So go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In In the name name of Christ. Christ. Amen. Amen.